If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I am Jennifer Justice. Today, we have the amazing Cindy Levy. She's the co-founder and CEO of The Meteor. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to have you on here. Thanks for having me. The words lady business pulled me in. (laughs) I mean, I had to, right? It's like when people like, you know, lady business literally just used to be about, you know, the nether regions. I'm like, okay, come on. Let's like, let's like take it back and and put the back into lady business. (laughs) Right. Lady business also happens from the neck up as it happens. Yeah. (laughs) See, that's another tagline. So, so let's start with talking about what the meteor is, but then I want to get into your background because it's so interesting what you've done and how you've pivoted throughout. And, and any female audience wants to hear how you you know change from one thing to the next so seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, and I'll tell you about the the meteor. Although I remember very clearly having a conversation with you about it when it was just like a little seed of an idea. It was right before the pandemic. And I don't even think we had a name for it yet. But um, at any rate, we are a media company that focuses on what you might call modern feminist content. So we make podcasts, we produce live events, we're starting to produce little film and television and also publish newsletters and regular social media all around this very wide galaxy of issues that you know, so many women, girls, non-binary people and our allies are interested in right now. So to kind of situate it, we had our first ideas meeting in Gloria Steinem's living room um, back before the pandemic. As everybody does, you know. (laughs) We were very lucky. And one of the members of our collective um, is Amy Richards, who's worked with Gloria for years on many, many different projects. And you know, she said, listen, this is where Ms. Magazine started back, you know, literally this living room back in the 1970s. And so that kind of led us into a discussion and thought process around what does that look like today? So, you know, we're not a magazine, we're not, you know, trying to drive anybody to a website, but we are a home for, you know, what we think is really crucial, really engaging and, and often kind of neglected storytelling and journalism around issues that that really matter to women right now. And of course, you know, the last few years have brought us 
so much urgency around all of these subjects. I mean, I don't think, I mean, there were a few people in our original founding group among them, you know, Dahlia Lithwick at Slate, who absolutely knew that Roe was going to fall, that Roe v. Wade was going to fall. But, you know, I don't think most of us could have fully predicted that. And certainly, you know, unfortunately, there are no shortage of, of issues for us to cover right now that that women are really interested in. I mean, sad, but true, right? It's like kind of like yeah. my business too. Like I started to help women because like the gender gap is too big. The wealth gap is, you know, ridiculously big, way bigger than the pay gap, you know, and our rights are being taken away. And I wanted to be an advocate for women, but you know, the problem is you want to, you actually start a company become to become redundant. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want this problem to exist. I want to help to get rid of this problem, you know? And it just seems that now we have even more of a reason to exist in the last three years, which is crazy. Like the, how backward everything has become. All right. So the meteor sounds amazing. And if, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I also want to go back and make sure we get in. Like, how did you get here? Where did you start and what led you to the meteor? I mean, I've always worked in media and um, my previous life was in magazines. I was the editor-in-chief of Glamour magazine for a long stretch. And then before that, Self magazine, which was was and is very health, health and fitness focused brand. I was definitely at my fittest when I was working at Self. <laughs> and although it was funny because I, I always tell the story that there was a moment when my, my then boss, who was the chairman of the company, called me to his office and told me that he wanted me to move over to Glamour and be the editor there. And not my first thought, but definitely like my second or third thought was like, oh, maybe now I don't actually have to run the marathon that I had been training for, the literal New York right. City marathon at Self. <laughs> so I did end up running it, but I I didn't have to have like quite the high standards that one has, you know, if you're doing that running a health and fitness magazine, but at any rate, I've always just been interested in, you know, like probing all of the issues that go on in women's lives that are, you know, I think certainly when I started in media, but even today, sometimes neglected by the quote unquote, you know, like mainstream media, which tends to be, you know, more male run, certainly, you know, still today, very white run, even in places where there's more gender diversity, there tends not to be much racial diversity. And so I just, you know, I'd always been really interested in exploring the kind of media that people often write off as like, quote unquote, women's media. So, you know, during the time that I was at Glamour, which of course was a very wide ranging magazine, you know, lots of people were coming to it for the fashion, for the beauty, for the relationship content, you know, but we saw increasingly that, you know, people were really interested in in hearing about, you know, the kind of broader context of political issues, what's happening, you know, in the workplace, what's happening in their financial lives and projects like Glamour Women of the Year, which was our annual event honoring, you know, incredible women um, of all kinds, including trans women, um, became a much bigger and bigger part of what we were doing every single year. And so, you know, that there's an audience out there for this. And yet, you know, at a lot of women's magazines or, you know, which don't really exist in the same way that they used to anymore, but even women's digital media brands, it's just not what the business model is. So it's always like the thing that when resources are tight, you have to leave on the cutting room floor. And so the idea at the Meteor was to make something 
for those kinds of issues were really, you know, what the brand and the company were established to do. You know, they're not the garnish on the plate. They're kind of, you know, they're the entree. They're the reason that people are coming to work for us. They're the reason that readers are coming. They're the reason that sponsors and advertisers are coming. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's care, real lady business. Yeah. 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 Well, it's all really lady, real lady business. I still love fashion and beauty. That's true too. So you went from working inside a company to, mm-hmm. you know, somebody is, you know, providing, you know, all the salaries, the health insurance budgets, you know, basically the vision, et cetera. And then, you know, you go and decide you're going to start your own media company, right? And especially at a time where people were like, oh, media companies, digital media companies, or in general, like talking about in particular women. So, I mean, that's a massive change, right? You've become the person in charge of all of this. Like, it is what, It is a big... What led that? Like, I mean, how did you... A lot of people want, always want to know, like, how did you decide you could do it? Like, what did you surround yourself with to do that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in some ways it didn't feel like a big leap at all, because I do think, you know, most editors in chief, particularly, you know, if you've been with a brand for a long time and you've seen it through lots of different market ups and downs and like leaning into video and leaning into digital and leaning into live events. And, you know, certainly over the last, you know, 20 years in media, something was always changing. And I don't think you could be a sort of awake and alert editor-in-chief if you weren't constantly thinking about strategy and dealing with things like, you know, right-sizing your staff for, you know, whatever direction the company needed to go in. So I don't think like the pieces around, you know, budget management, things like that, those didn't feel like a stretch. I think, you know, the interesting thing is just, first of all, raising money for a company that was like completely new to me. And P.S., since we are talking about like taking care of lady business, like one thing that it took me a long time to understand is like, you know, I had my deck together and it was like rigorously honest. And it still is because like, I don't believe you should be like exaggerating what you can do. And, you know, I would go into these meetings and, People would be kind of like, you know, wanting me to say like, this is going to be the Uber of feminism and we're going to make you like $3 billion. And, you know, and I'd be like, no, this is going to be like a profitable, which in media is a huge victory in and of itself. Like intelligent companies could return money to its investors who are, you know, by the way, almost exclusively women and, you know, underrepresented groups in general. And B, you're going to be producing great work along the way, you know, but there was this like real push. And so then I started to look at you know, I started to look at other people's investor decks and, you know, cause you do this all the time, yeah. the extent to which like people and not exclusively men, but like frequently men just like lie in those things. Yeah. I do not believe it. Like you read these decks and you're like, you're not going to do that. There's no <laughs> way you're going to you're, And you're definitely not making that much money in that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that the moral of that story is, you know, like go out there and bullshit in order to get investors. But I do think that like, there's a certain, you know, kind of like modesty with which I was sort of approaching the project. And I, I like to think like I kept the, the faithfulness and the honesty to the numbers, but also, you know, realized that like, you have to be incredibly evangelical in order to get people on board with your vision. Cause you know, that's certainly like what all the guys are doing. 
No, no, that's true. That um, the evangelical part is absolutely true. You have to be an amazing salesperson in order to like start your company and make it grow. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. you've, you've crossed that hurdle. You're like, okay, I can raise the money. I have it. And when did the meteor officially launch? We launched right around the time of the 2020 election. So um, we kind of soft launched right before that with our weekly podcast, Undistracted, which is hosted by the absolutely wonderful Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Yeah. And, you know, literally launched like three weeks before the election. And, you know, people were like, why are you launching right before the election? But like Brittany had something to say. And it was really important that we be out there. Then we sort of fully launched the following summer of 2021. Um with other platforms, other podcasts, um, live events that we've done in partnership with brands like Gucci or Chambord was the the first sponsor of our podcast. We've done projects with Audible and it's been just a huge amount of fun. And, you know, one of the things that's sort of new for me is also starting to really develop some of our IP into larger projects. So I co-hosted a podcast with the Meteor called Because of Anita, which was about the 30th anniversary of Anita Hill's testimony. Oh, wow. Yeah. Public conversation between um, Anita Hill and Christine Blasey Ford. It was really beautiful. Um, I co-hosted it with the absolutely wonderful journalist Salamisha Tillett, who um, also just won a, a Pulitzer right after that, uh, right after that project for her work with the New York Times. And um, we're now developing that as a docu series, and that's really that's you know been a lot of fun. And you know that piece of it is new to me, so it feels so it feels exciting. So when you are, um, so when people like want to interact with the media or like, how do they do it other than, you know, a podcast? Um, we're on social media. Um, we're most active on Instagram and um, TikTok. So you can just follow us at The Meteor on Instagram. And I hope you do. And you can also um, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link right on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Or you can go to our website um, to sign up for the newsletter. The website is wearethemeteor.com. And we have a wonderful, uh, at the moment, twice weekly, um, although we have some exciting plans for expansion. Um, newsletter that really covers the sort of, you know, political and non-political landscape from a an intersectional feminist point of view. We have a couple of really wonderful writers. Um, the editor who oversees that um, is the wonderful Samita Makabade, who used to be at Teen Vogue and terrific range of writers from our founding collective, just weighing in on everything from what's happening with the Supreme Court and what's happening with all of the legislation that we're seeing in state legislatures around the country, but also, you know, pop culture, sports. Our lead writer, Shannon um, Malero, is uh, a really diehard sports fan. And so she brings a very particular kind of feminist perspective to the coverage of sports that I personally not knowing much about that world have learned a lot from. So, you know, obviously in your background and what you were doing um, as an editor and over all of the years, and we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier. It's like everybody thought like, oh, women don't really want to talk about, you know, politics. We, you know, we only care about, you know, clothes and beauty and et cetera. Like, 
What gave you, other than Glamour and, uh, you know, Women of the Year Awards, which obviously, you know, grew very quickly and it was like the seat to have and you were crying and it wasn't like, who are you wearing? Although everybody was dressed fabulously, it was literally full of substance, you know, like how did you know and how do you know that continue to know that you have an audience for this? You know what I mean? And because it can be very deep, you know, and sometimes people want to escape and like, what kind of question that is, but like, I will know, I want to know the answer. I think, you know, you need to have just a variety of textures. Like nobody, I mean, I'm super interested in these issues and like, I don't want to follow someone who's going to like lecture me all the time or have, you know, talking about these issues feel like eating your broccoli, you know, that's not the, that's not what's going to pull people in. And Um, You know, I think that's true across any kind of media, but certainly, you know, for us, I think the trick is, you know, being able to share things in a way where, you know, first of all, it's accessible and digestible. You know, we do short explainer videos on TikTok and elsewhere, and that's like the only way people consume the brand. That's completely fine with us. Um, You know, we also cover a range of subjects and with a variety of tones, you know, sometimes, sometimes it is incredibly serious. Sometimes it's lighter, it's funny. And, you know, I think you just, you have to do that. Like nobody wants to be, nobody wants right. to be yelled at. So like the newsletter, which I hope you'll subscribe to once again, go to yeah. we are the <laughs> um, No, like the newsletter, like makes me laugh on a regular right. basis. And so I think you just need to have that kind of like mixture of, of tones right. and even, you know, with something that is more serious and not you know, like, haha, funny, like the Anita Hill podcast, that was a really engaging story. I mean, and, you know, and we had the good fortune of being in conversation with people like Anita herself, who were able to like really tell the story in an engaging way. So you're not in a classroom, even if it is serious or, you know, the issues that are being illuminated are like real and profound. And, you know, we're not making jokes about them you're still wrapped up in a story. I mean, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. This is a really serious story, but it's one of the things that we've done that's had the biggest impact in the world. We launched a video series last fall called the United States of Abortion, and it was following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We wanted to show what was really happening on the ground for patients and providers. And our first episode was with a woman in Texas named Amanda Zarowski, who had been experiencing a miscarriage and was sent home from the hospital because they said they couldn't, you know, quote unquote, do anything. She ended up developing sepsis, being in the ICU, almost losing her life. We made a film about her that, you know, got a huge amount of attention, went viral, you know, lots of places covered it, like People Magazine, which don't necessarily always cover these kinds of quote unquote political issues. And she ended up becoming the lead plaintiff in the groundbreaking lawsuit against the state of Texas. She also testified on the floor of the Senate Judiciary Committee a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, it had real ripple effects. This was a three and a half minute social video. You know, so like you don't have to, I mean, a lot of care was put into it, obviously, but like not everything has to be a feature length documentary or a dissertation. You know, we were able to use what you might consider kind of a lighter medium to do something that, you know, that then had real impact. So anyway, um, I guess that's that's my feeling. 
It's a heartbreaking story. I, I'm very familiar with it. And, and you know, and I think those things are so important, right? And, you know, I think part of the reason why I was asking this question is because what I do at Taking Care of Lady Business is literally talk yeah. all, all the time about how we're underpaid and overworked and underappreciated and underestimated. And nah, 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 nah. But it's exhausting if you're just doing it and so heavy, right? And so there's got to be moments of levity and there's got to be moments of like, you know, like Rebecca Minkoff and I talk about it. It's like, you just, you can't make this shit up. You're like, really? Somebody literally just got fired because they come pregnant, you know, they come into the office pregnant and they're like, why wow, you're fired? You're like, is this still happening? It's like, yes, it is. You can't make this shit up. You know, or people like exposing their penises to people like who are in big, like, are you kidding me? You're still doing this, you know, like (laughs) no one wants to see that. No one wanted to see it 50 years ago. Definitely no one wants to see it in 2023. You know, or people complaining like, oh, well, what are men supposed to do? It's like, oh, you know what? If you wouldn't say it in front of your mom, your sister or your wife or your daughter, don't do it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, all these things. So it's like. You know, it's hard to like have that like equal balance of like, oh, I'm going to put it up and like, you know, really like make a statement. But at the same time, it's like, it's not all that like serious at the same time. You know, it's like yeah. levity in it um, as horrible as some of these stories are. So, I mean, I love everything you're doing. I love, you know, appreciate how, like, how you're bringing it because it's not easy. It's like a really delicate balance in order not to turn everybody off because these stories they need to be told so people can be educated, right? I mean, one of the things that men say all the time is like, I didn't realize that women were only getting 2% of venture funding. Well, mm-hmm. if it's not affecting you, why would you know? Yeah, it is affecting them for the better, right? They're getting exactly the other well, way of looking is. at that is that they're getting 98% of it. So, like, exactly. you know, why question? And, yeah. you know, if it's not hurting you, if it's like benefiting you, then what is your incentive to change it, you know, to make yeah. a world a better place? It's, it's a hard thing to do. And I like, I love everything you're doing. That story was super important. You know, like I told, and I just read about the other one, the woman in Florida, mm-hmm. or yeah. like the baby's alive for 99 minutes. I was crying. Like, yeah, yeah. no, it's, re- I mean, it is, it is incredible what's happening right now. And I, you know, I think often like this is a whole other subject, but like, I think we're too close to it to even like fully process it. Right. Like this is one of this, you know, we're about to have the one year anniversary of the Dobbs decision. And I think, you know, people 10 years from now, 20 years from now are going to be looking back on this year as like an incredibly pivotal and important and horrific and hopefully archaic, you know, we'll see moment in time. And I, I think we're almost still, there's certainly a lot that's been said about it and continues to say about it. I'm a huge fan, by the way, of Jessica Valenti's Abortion Every Day newsletter. Really think it's worth worth reading. But um, I also feel like we're just, we're so close to it now that we kind of, there's a lot lot of processing we're still going to have to do to really understand like what the hell just happened. Yeah. I think on the other side too, there's a lot of their processing to go like, what did we just do? You know, although yeah. they have well, I hope I hope so. Yeah. And yeah, so I let's think. just be out there on the, you know, on the spectrum of conservative liberal, the meteor falls. Do you guys take a position? Do you mean on like on, partisan level? You know what I mean? Or do you just No, we're not trying to be like a quote unquote both sides um media organization. I mean, we are 
I think we explore issues in a way that is, you know, thoughtful and not knee jerk. That's really important. But I also think that we exist to, you know, speak to the growing audience of people who care about gender equity. So that is a position and that's the lens through which we look at things. It doesn't mean that like we're in the tank for the Democrats. The Democrats get plenty of criticism by our writers and our podcasters. Um, but we're not trying to, you know, give you both sides of issues that really don't have both sides. Like, you know, <laughs> should voting rights right. exist, you know? Exactly. That don't have both sides. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and listen, I think, you know, there are the specious both sides arguments. Then there are news organizations that are, you know, just very clear about not taking a position because they want to retain their credibility as news organizations. And I totally respect that. Um, That's not what we're doing. We are a media platform and community for people who are looking at the world, you know, through the lens of what does it mean for women's lives? What does it mean for the lives of people of color? What does it mean for queer lives? You know, that's where we're coming from. So that that gives us a particular perspective in your, um, you know, and your while this, while the meteor has been in existence, have you found that you have more and more men coming to be a part of it? Yeah, we do. And it's interesting. If you look at the age of our community, our average male, um, you know, viewer, audience member, reader is substantially younger than the woman. I mean, you know, we have a much higher percent of the men fall into like Gen Z, which I guess is not surprising because like, yeah. you know, being a feminist is the kind of thing that you won't find a lot of like Gen X men necessarily right. saying there are definitely some, but like, you know, a typical 20 year old you know, doesn't think of that as something that is just for women. And in fact, probably doesn't really view the world through like the lens of, you know, women, men, et cetera, that right. feels like a kind of old fashioned and, and binary way of looking at it. So yeah, we're about 75%, 75% of our audience um, identifies as women and, um, you know, and then the rest are, you know, men, non-binary people, people yeah. who don't choose to identify one way or the other at all. I mean, that's fascinating. You know, my kids are 10 years old and they don't even understand why we have to have things like Women's History Month or Pride Month or, you know, Black History Month because they're like, well, aren't we all not because they're like, we're all equal. You know what I mean? That's how mm-hmm. they are growing up in a way that they're like. So when you hear about the past, they're like, wait, what? Like people were not like are not celebrated as equals. Like it's like, it's also mm-hmm. this weird thing for them to understand, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they're growing up and they're like, Oh, and then, well, they probably, they were saying that more than when like six or seven. Right. And, you know, yeah. they know they're like, Oh, it's pride month and they know what it means. And, um, you know, they just had their health, you know, talk in school and, you know, everybody's talking about how they're identifying right now at 10. And, and it's just like a conversation I can't even imagine, you know what I mean? Having, but it is. So you see it. I think our whole, that whole generation is just like, we're not going to put up with it. You know, we're fighting against what exists and they're just like, well, we're not even going to enter into a system that is going to exclude others just because, you know, how they were born, how they choose to live their lives, et cetera. Um, So I love hearing that you have like 25%. That's amazing. 
because it's only yeah, and it's but also we don't put ourselves out there as a platform or a company that is for women. We yeah. are for anybody who is interested in yeah. these issues, anybody who's looking at the world through this lens. You know, that's not just women, certainly. Right. And right. there are plenty of women who don't look at the who world don't. this way, yeah. and we're not trying to be <laughs> for them either. Exactly. Know? Right. <laughs> exactly. So what is the future of media? What is like the most of, you know, what are things that are coming up that we people can be looking for? Please come to our events. I can tell you, um, I don't know when this podcast is going to air. Can you tell me that? And then I can tell you what's coming up. Um, let's see. Let's, I mean, we can make it air around something if you wanted to. <laughs> well, I can tell you, um, we do a regular series of events. If you are in New York at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater around different issues, we've done a bunch of them for abortion rights. There's one coming up on June 15th for trans rights. It's going to yeah. be an incredibly fun variety show. You know, co-chairing that I think yeah uh no it, Raquel Willis is um is the curator if you are in New York um we have a regular series at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater um it's an hour-long variety show music comedy spoken word action steps around a different issue each time so we've done several of them for abortion rights they've all raised money for the New York Abortion Access Fund we are doing one on June 15th um around trans rights and all of our door proceeds go to the trans justice funding project, which funds these amazing grassroots groups around, um, around the country. And it's going to be incredible. We have Raquel Willis curating. We have, um, amazing musical acts. The comedian Jess Tom is performing. Um, it's really going to be terrific. And so if you miss that one, then, um, you know, please stay on the lookout for others. We also do large quarterly summits. We have a big one coming up on um, workplace issues in October. And then in November, we're doing two really back-to-back. Our flagship event, Meet the Moment, is happening at the Brooklyn Museum. And that's intergenerational groups of women and women's allies um, talking about all kinds of different stuff. It's it's going to be great. Last year, we had um, Dolores Huerta in conversation with Christian Smalls, who had just yeah. unionized Amazon. And so, um, you know, looking at like two organizers who are literally 28 and she's 92. So yeah, two <laughs> organizers who are, you know, decades and decades and decades apart talking about a lot of the same issues. And yeah. um, it's a lot of fun. And so, Please come join us for those. And, Wait, and so when on. was that last one that you're saying? Um, our flagship, you want me to say the whole part again? No, no, no. Just the flagship okay. one. Yeah. yeah. Our flagship event, um, Meet the Moment, is happening at the Brooklyn Museum on November 11th. We launched it last year. It's a day-long summit with a cocktail party and lots of moments to meet other people who are interested in these issues. Incredible, incredible speakers. We... Um, had just an amazing lineup last year. And I think this year is going to be even better. So please come join us at the Brooklyn Museum. And um, if you want to know about all of this stuff and the events and read our columnists and um, download our podcasts, just follow us on uh, the Meteor on Instagram. Amazing. All right. So I know that you have to go and you have a hard stop, but you know, there's one question I ask every single person on this and that is what is the worst advice you've ever received? 
Um, well, it's funny. When I think of worst career advice, I always think of, and this is not my story. I'll tell you my story in a second. But I used to have a colleague at Glamour whose mother had instructed her to put her height and weight on her resume when applying yeah. for jobs. She came from a family in the South, and I couldn't tell you the thought process behind this. She was applying for jobs in magazines, and yet her mother told her this. So you know, that to me is like, that's the <laughs> yeah. bar of worst advice. And, I, and mine is probably not that bad. But I remember um, once I was asking for a raise and I went to my immediate boss and that person was going to have to get sign off from their boss. And I explained, you know, all of the things that I had done that year, the successes, the impact to the bottom line, you know, the market value, all of the reasons that I felt I deserved a raise. And this person said, well, I can go argue that because you've had a good year, you should have a more significant bump. But I don't know if I should, because then that will mean that if things aren't going as well, maybe you won't in the future, maybe you won't get as big a bump. And I was like, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I understand that I'm being evaluated on the basis of my performance and I have performed well. So yeah, let's go get me that raise. And so the, my supervisor agreed and it, it all worked yeah. out. But I thought, yeah. you know, the advice- Don't take that chance. To, You're going to bet on yourself. Yeah, not, to, not to advocate for yourself because it might, you know, threaten you in the future uh, felt a bit convoluted to me. Yeah, exactly. Well, what thanks. What yours? Wait, I want to know what your oh, mine was. was. Mine is, um, you know, just put your head down and work and then you'll get noticed. And I was like, I mean, oh. that is that is advice though that I think so many women yeah. have gotten. Like that yeah. is that's just like the background noise. Yeah, that's the message, even if it's not yeah. explicitly given as advice. No, given as advice. And I was like, oh, so you can go out and use my work and say that you did it and get all the accolades. I'm like, no. I quickly learned that that was like, you know, I came from, my mom didn't graduate high school. Like I came from nothing. No one had gone to college in my entire family. So it was like, I didn't know about business. I, th- I thought people, women weren't in the business world because they didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they were excluded, you know? Yeah. And so I entered and I was like, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Like, this is not okay. So when I heard that, I was like, I was taking advice from whoever was going to give it to me. Yeah. And that was my boss. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm not that person anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good that you knew immediately. Oh, that is some deeply shitty advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And only benefits one party here and it's not. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's actually a good, that's a good tip. Like if someone is giving you advice that sounds questionable, think about what do they get out of you following this counsel? Yeah. Well, you got to think about it. It's like, why are they giving you, have they ever been in your shoes? And I mean, not just me, I'm like a new associate, like a woman, you know, in a male dominated, all the things like that. So yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know that there, you're going to get a lot of follows and all the, all the oh, things. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Amazing. I'm, everybody wants to hear from you. So oh. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's it's a pleasure. I'm all about lady business. Does that sound weird? Does that no. sound weird? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> we're going to make it normal to be all we about just took care business. of it, right? Yeah. It's done. Exactly. It's figured out. Yeah. All right. Thank um, you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.